0: Well good morning church. My name is Mark and I'm one of the pastors here. It's been my pleasure to be the main preaching pastor and here filling this pulpit most Sundays for uh since August of 2010. If I don't know you and you don't know me please take the time to come up and, and see me. It's hard for me to get to everybody but I'd love to to get to know you just a little bit better. Welcome to our service. We're finishing a sermon series this morning that we've been in since September the 8th believe it or not. And since September the 8th, we've been talking about what the Bible has to say about fools or foolishness. And a lot of those messages have been in the book of Proverbs, because the Pro- book of Proverbs talks a lot about fools and a lot about wisdom. We ventured out of that a few times to talk about some other things. Uh, last week's message was as an important a message as, as you could ever hear in your life, not because who preached it, but because of the truth that's in it. Because the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, "You." foolish Galatians and the Galatians had deserted the gospel and were clinging on to other things other than the cross of Christ for their salvation a lot a lot of do this and don't do that and don't touch this and touch that and he says you have forsaken the cross of Christ i do not set aside the grace of god for if righteousness could be obtained through the law then christ died in vain if you were not here this last sunday you need to listen to that message on the internet. You need to forward that to some people because that is just the gospel, the unadulterated gospel. And we talk about the gospel a whole lot, but we, many times we just don't focus purely on the gospel as I tried to last Sunday when Paul, Paul says, Oh foolish Galatians, and we addressed that last week to you foolish Nazarenes who think that you can add something to the cross of Christ. Or think that you can be able to do something in your own flesh and in your own power to make you acceptable for God. And if I was preaching in a Methodist church this morning, I'd say, oh foolish Methodists. In the Presbyterian church, i say, oh foolish Presbyterians. We finish our foolproof series today and we go to one of the most famous verses of Scripture that has the word fool or foolish in it. Of course, in Psalm 14... Verse 1, the Bible says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14, 1, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now we've defined a fool as not just someone who doesn't know, Someone who's basically ignorant about something—we're all ignorant about a lot of different things. I'm ignorant on how to take my transmission out of my car. Okay, I'm just ignorant about that. That's not what the Bible means when the Bible refers to a fool. When the Bible refers to a fool, it means someone who knows but does not practice, and that's exactly what it means here. Because there's three biblical words for fool that gets translated in the Hebrew, and this this word basically gets translated for a stubborn animal. And what's a stubborn animal? Stubborn animal is one who knows what he's supposed to do but just won't do it. That's a biblical definition of a fool, one who knows. You're not a fool if you don't know. There's There's no disgrace in not knowing. We all don't know a lot of things. There's no disgrace in that, but the Bible calls you a fool if you know but you don't practice it in your life. The fool says in his heart, There is No God. Now there's a, there's, it's not talking about someone who doubts. Can I tell you something that maybe no one's ever told you before? A healthy case of doubt is good for your faith. Because it'll force you to wrestle and think through your faith. And we don't have enough thinking Christians. We have a whole lot of Christians that believe whatever the preacher told them. But we don't have a whole, enough Christians like the Bereans that the Paul, Apostle Paul congratulated because they, they listened to him, but then they searched the Scriptures to make sure that what he said was true. We need thinking, Christians. And many times good cases of doubt in your life will force you to wrestle and force you to think. How can you not doubt sometimes when you see some of the things that we see in this world? But that doubting can make you a stronger Christian because it forces you to wrestle with your faith and think through your faith. Someone who's never doubted their faith, I think, is a liar. Or you're trying to show us how spiritual you are. Thinking people can doubt, and many times they'll come out on the better end of that because they've wrestled with their faith and understand that. We're not talking about... Doubting, we're talking about denying. The fool says in his heart, "There is no God." Now we hear the word atheist thrown out a lot, but do we really know what an atheist is? Chris threw out the word agnostic. Do we really know what that is? Uh, up here, I've got an atheist is someone who just denies the existence of God. Now, the, the percentage of people in this world that literally deny the existence of God are few. Now, there's a, there's a good percentage that may deny the Christian God and the way He's revealed in Scripture. But, but overwhelming people in the world will understand of some great deity in the sky that at least spun this world into existence. An atheist is a person who just denies the existence of God. This world is all it is, and when we get buried, the worms eat us. That's all that happens. Okay, They just deny the existence of God. More people are in this second category. They're agnostic a means not, right? Anytime you have A before a word, the prefix means not, okay? So, so atheist means you're not a theist. Theist is someone who, who theology is a study of God. Theist is, is someone who believes in God. You're not a theist. An agnostic means you do, don't know. You don't know. I, I, I just don't know if there's a God or not. I, 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 I can't say I I can't say that I deny his existence. I just, I don't know if there's a God or not. And the Bible really doesn't have a whole lot to say about those people. Uh, Because after all, the only way we know God is through faith. There's none of us that are certain. Now I know that pushes you out of your comfort zone, but there's none of us that are certain. Because the Bible says it's only through faith that we come into a relationship with God. It's only through faith that we know him. None of you are as certain about God as you are that I'm wearing a black v-neck sweater. Because the Bible says we live by faith and we don't live by sight. The Bible says the only way we can please God is through faith. I'm very pleased with my boys when they take me at my word and believe me just because I told them when it goes against their their gut or something but they took their dad at their word and they took it that on faith because they think their dad is a good dad and the dad, the, their dad loves them and would not steer them wrong and that greatly pleases me when it goes against their grain to believe that but they believe their dad because they know their dad is, is a good dad and wants the best for them and the God, God Father God is the same way you're not certain oh you can feel and God has allowed you many times to, to, to feel and sense his presence and praise God for that. But you're not certain in the way that we define certainty. So the Bible really doesn't have anything to say about agnosticism. And we can respect an agnostic many times. It says, I just don't know. They just won't exercise faith that we have exercised. We've taken the step of faith. And we've said there's enough evidence for us to believe Hebrews eleven six 6 speaks to this faith that we live by. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say without certainty. Without faith. And, and, and if, you have, if you have certainty, you don't need faith. Because they're, 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 they're different things. If, you, if you're certain of something, you no longer need faith. And the Bible says without faith, you cannot please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who will earnestly seek him. Hebrews 11.1 1 is a scripture that follows this up as well. Now, faith is a confidence in what we hope for, not what we're certain of. Faith is a confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, we live by faith and we don't live by sight. We're not talking about doubting. Everybody doubts. As long as there's there's an element of faith involved in anything, there's also an element of doubt there. And God asks you to believe him even though you don't see. So an atheist is one who just denies the existence of God. An agnostic is one who says, I just don't know. I just don't know and the person that just doesn't know is a person many times that can be reached many times because they're open they just don't know now why do I preach this among a people today that believe in God you know why do I preach Psalm 14 1 because you just don't come to church for yourself right? Part of coming to church is to strengthen me and my faith and for me to get built up stronger. But another reason I come to church is so I can, I can be a more influential Christian because I'm going to run into people that are agnostics and I'm going to run into people that are atheists. And if I can have some kind of understanding of the way they think or some kind of understanding of why I think or why I believe or why I have faith, I would be able to better influence that person. You've all got people in your life that don't believe. You've got family members in your life that don't believe. You've got family members that unless they change, they're going to hell. You know you do. And you have a vested interest. You have a vested interest in trying to learn as much about the Christian faith faith so you can be influential to that person, whether it be an atheist, whether it be an agnostic, or whether it be something that's in between all of that. So while this is not a message that tries to convince you there's a God, because I think people in here, most people in here have exercised some kind of faith, this is a message that you can use as you try to be salt and light with other people. And that's one of the great reasons you come to church. You don't just come to church for yourself. You come to church for what I hear and what I can pass on to other people. What makes me a stronger Christian and a better witness and more salty and more light to other people. You know, when we hear that word "atheist" and that gets thrown around a lot, there's really two kinds of atheists. There's an intellectual atheist who just cannot get it through their head, and they just don't understand, and they cannot get their mind wrapped around the very existence of a, a God. let me Let me share just maybe a few minutes on what you would tell that person you'll never argue anyone into the faith by the way because as I get to later this is a emotional and spiritual issue much more than it is an intellectual issue they'll couch it in intellectual arguments but it's much more an emotional and spiritual issue but you know if there is no God you know there's no standard for morality there is no standard for morality What you believe is right is just as good as what I believe is right. And we live in Old Testament times when the book of Judges, when it says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And what kind of a chaotic world would we have if everybody, where there is no standard of morality, and everyone just what was right in their own eyes? If if there's no God, if there's no one that has 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 given us some kind of law, has given us some kind of morals that says this is how you should act as my people, then anything goes. There's no standard for morality. Well, you say, well, Mark, it's, you know, I can do good on my own. And I would say, yes, you could. And atheists can do good things. Absolutely they can. But that atheist believes this is right. This atheist believes that is right. That person believes that is right. It's absolute chaos and it's anything goes. Because there's no standard for morality, there's a quote that I have up here from Dr. Richard Rorty, who is a famous atheist and a philosopher and a university professor. If moral imperatives are not commanded by God's will and if they are not, in some sense, absolute, then what ought to be is a, is a what ought to be is a matter simple of what men and women decide should be. This is an honest atheist. He said, what ought to be is just a matter of what men and women decide ought to be. There is no other source of judgment. Bertrand Russell is a famous atheist. He's traveled around, give all kinds of lectures. He says this, and he he agrees, and he's he's honest outside of human desires, outside of what I want. There's no moral standard, he says. There's no moral standard of all outside of what I want. That's an honest atheist. You see, if, if, if there's no God, there, there's, no, there's no standard for right and wrong. There, there's, there, there's no law that, that we can base things on. There, there's no way that I can say that is wrong. How can you say that is wrong if there's no moral standard? Because if everybody makes up their own law, then what's right for you is right for you, and what's right for you is what's right for me, and how dare you tell me that something is wrong? There's no, there's no standard without a lawgiver. There's also no meaning and no purpose in life. I've got that up here next, Amy. You know, what is the true meaning and purpose in life if there's no God? Well, you can see, well, it's, you know, to be a good dad and mom and husband. Who, who came up with all that? Who came up with all that kind of thing? Who, who came up with the fact that a man was created and he created a helpmate for him and they should multiply? And who came up with all that? What meaning and purpose can there be in life other than whatever meaning and purpose you want to put into it? And it, should be, it would be short-lived. It, it would be temporal. Mother Teresa says, what do I labor for? If there is no God, there can be no soul. If there be no soul, then Jesus, you also are not true. If there's no God, why does Mother Teresa even labor, she said? No meaning. No purpose in life. If there's no God, there's no justice in life either. There's no justice in life. Uh, If there's no God, Adolf Hitler got away with it. Got away with it. If there's no God, the man that rapes little three or four year old girls and never repents of that, and he gets away with it. That's the world we live in. There's no justice. There's no judgment. There's no moral standard to judge anybody by. Whatever you say goes and whatever. Adolf Hitler got away with it. There could be no justice. But we know Scripture tells us that we don't have to get all bent out of shape when we see injustice in this world that cannot be corrected because the Bible says the judge of all the world will do Right? And we believe there's a reckoning. Without any kind of God, there's there's no there's no justice in life. Without without a God, believing there's no God for me, that takes too much faith. It takes too much faith to simply believe that all that we see was a result of some big bang. And this world is in perfect harmony and, and the sun is the exact right distance from the earth and gravity works every single day of every single year and everything is just in harmony the way it should be to have a world where there can be life and that was just the result of some cosmic explosion? I don't have that much faith. It's so much easier and takes so much less faith at least just to be a deist That thinks there is some great designer to this. How can all of this just happen? It couldn't have. If, if, if I take a sheet of paper here and it has some writing on it and I split that sheet of paper into six pieces and just throw that sheet of paper out on the ground, what's the chances that those six pieces will all fall together perfectly so we can read exactly what I wrote? The, the chances are astronomical, but not nearly as astronomical of this world just suddenly appearing as a result of a big bang. It'd be a whole lot easier for six pieces of paper to align in perfect order so we can read them than it would be for this whole world to come together because of some cosmic explosion. I've said it before I, if the Big Bang is correct, there had to be a Big Banger. When God said, let, maybe there was a bang. Maybe there was an explosion, but there had to be somebody. I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith to be able to believe that. And so while those are intellectual arguments that you could talk to someone about, you know, it's really not an intellectual issue. I I believe with with all my heart that for most cases, not all, I'm not going to paint with a broad brush here, but with most cases, it's not an intellectual issue. This is a moral issue and a spiritual issue and an emotional issue. People don't want to believe because if they believe, then they have a sovereign that's sovereign over their life. And they have one who tells them how to live. And they have one that will hold them accountable and bring them into judgment. And people don't want that. We want to be our own sovereign. We want to be our own God, and I, I, I don't discount X number of people, that X percentage of people that may have some intellectual difficulties with it, but I, I don't think it's predominant. I think it's an emotional issue. I think it's it's it has something to do with emotions. My mother died when I was three. How could a God allow that to happen? It's an emotional issue. Or it's an issue that if I admit there's a God, if I admit, listen, if I admit that I'm a creature, then that makes me responsible to a creator. And people are smart enough to know there are consequences to that responsibility to a creator. And if there's no God, there's no moral standard, I can just do whatever I want to, and there's no judgment. And I can live my life I ever I want to. And how dare you tell me that was wrong? Dr. Thomas Nagel is an honest atheist. He makes this quote. I want atheism to be true and am uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. Stop right there. I want atheism to be true. Why would anybody want atheism to be true? I want atheism to be true, and I'm disturbed by the fact that some of the most intelligent people that I know are religious people. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want a universe to be like that. Why wouldn't you? Unless you don't want any accountability for your life. Unless you don't want to be told what to do. Unless you don't want to have a lawgiver, you don't want to have a sovereign over you, you want to be sovereign yourself. Hear me, friends. For a small percentage of people, this is an intellectual issue. For the great number of people who would claim to be an atheist, it's an emotional, spiritual issue. They want to be Lord. At least that's. I mean, that was all of our problems before we came to Christ, wasn't it? It was my problem. I just wanted to be Lord of my own life. That kept me from Christ for 34 years. I just wanted to be Lord of my own life. People would come to my apartment and, te- and, and witness to me from the local Baptist church and I said, I believe everything you say, but I'm just not willing to submit myself to it because I want to sin. That was my life. I just wanted, I just wanted to sin. Psalm 1013 kind of backs up this this wanting no accountability and it's not really an intellectual issue, it's a spiritual and moral issue. Psalm 1013 says, why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say unto himself, he won't call me to account? He won't call me to account. Intellectual atheists have problems in the mind, but a lot, a lot of them will have emotional problems. But there's also practical atheists. And this is the biggest percentage of atheists that we have. They're practical atheists. And practical atheists keep pastors up at night and don't let us sleep well. Because practical atheists... Are in our churches. Because this is what I want you to really get today. What's next, Amy? The biggest fool is not the one who denies the existence of God. That's not the biggest fool. The biggest fool is the one who believes in God, believes, lives as if God doesn't exist. It's a practical atheist. But he has some kind of a belief in God. After all, the, the devils believe and they tremble, James 2.17. The biggest fool is not the one who just denies the existence of God. It's the one who believes in God but doesn't live like it. It's the one who claims some kind of belief but never talks to God in prayer. It's one who believe, claims some kind of belief but never opens His word. It's, it's the woman I met at Kinsey on yesterday who... who Says she needs God's help so much and would you pray for me? But as I talked to her, she's been living with her boyfriend for eight years. Now, what kind, of, what, what kind of help does she expect to receive from God when she lives outside of His will? What kind of, what, what kind of, what kind of person expects for God to help them when they live their life outside of their will? Practical atheists. People who have some understanding of God, but belief in God, but it it doesn't show up in their life. It doesn't show up in the way they spend their money. It doesn't show up in the TV shows they watch or don't watch. It doesn't show up in the movies they go to or don't go to. It doesn't show up in their business dealings. Well, I believe in God and everything, but, you know, business is business. Practical atheism. People who have an intellectual belief in God but are living like it doesn't. And that's what James 14.1 speaks to, the stubborn person. That's the fool that we've talked about since September the 8th. The one who knows but does not practice in their life. <laughs> Fools that, that keep me up and keep other pastors up are people that sit in pews and, shows, and would give some kind of mental assent to the truth but there's no practice of that in their life I told you a story many times about me walking into Lowe's here in seeing one time and I was talking to one of the guys at Lowe's and I said yeah I got a guy who goes to my church works here at Lowe's and I called his name and he goes that guy goes to your church There was no Christianity at Lowe's for that believer. The book of James talks about practical atheists, not intellectual atheists. Bible has very little to say to uh, almost, it has 10 words basically to say to intellectual atheists. It says, uh, you know, you're a fool if you don't believe in God. The Bible doesn't really address atheists at all. The Bible assumes God from the very start because on the very first of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God. It doesn't make an argument for God. It doesn't try to persuade you that there is a God. It just simply says, in the beginning, God. But the Bible has a lot to say about practical atheists. And that's really where we live, isn't it? Us good church people. And James hits this in chapter 4, Verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go here, and we'll go there, and we'll go to that city. We'll spend a year there, we'll carry on business, and we'll make money. Next verse. Why, you don't even know what tomorrow will oh, hold. See who this person is? This person is calculating, this person is planning. There's nothing wrong with planning. I'm planning to, to, to drive to Wisconsin on uh, Christmas Day. That doesn't make me bad. That's not a moral thing. That's an all moral thing thing but this is a person who is planning and carrying on without god because what's the scripture say why you don't even know what tomorrow what will happen tomorrow what is your life those of you that heard me preach funerals you've heard me preach this probably two out of three funerals that your life is but a mist it appears just for a little while and then vanishes verse 15 instead you ought to say instead you ought to take god into consideration instead you ought to take the lord into consideration you shouldn't just be planning without God. Today, I'm going to go here. Tomorrow, I'm going to go here. I'm going to make money, carry out business. No, you, you, your plan should, should say, if the Lord would will, you should be able to bring God in your plans. And after all, you're not. You, you, you may say you believe in God, but you're carrying on your life like you don't. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Where's God in all of that? Where's God in my business? Where's God in my marriage? Where's, where's God in all that? Instead, you ought to say, James says, if it's the Lord's will... Oh, we'll live, and we'll do this, and we'll do that. Instead, you ought to take God into account in all of this. Instead of just living by the seat of your pants and going here and going there, do whatever you want to. 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. Arrogance. Arrogance. Me without God. Me making my plans. Me thinking that I'm gonna do take care of this and take care of that. Well, really, God's gonna determine. I don't even know what tomorrow will hold. I could have a heart attack tomorrow. My wife could have a heart attack tomorrow. Could get hit by a bus tomorrow. I don't even know what that hold what what tomorrow holds. Why am I doing living my life without God? Unless I'm arrogant. And all such boasting is evil, James says. Verse 17 says this. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do, the life they should live, the consideration of God and bringing God into consideration in everything that you do and plan and think, if everyone knows the good they should do, but doesn't do it, that's the definition of a fool, right? Knows the good they should do and don't do it, it's sin for them. This world is full of practical atheists. It's literally our churches all over Xenia, Greene County, state of Ohio, is filled with practical atheists that will give some kind of a Sunday nod to God, but it doesn't show up in the way they do business the rest of the week. It doesn't show up in their parenting it doesn't show up in their marriage it doesn't show up in their neighboring it doesn't show up in their life and for us who are in church it's really not talking too much about trying to convince you of the existence of god it's trying to convince all of us by the grace of god and by the power of the holy spirit to live like you believe To live like you believe. I hope you pulled maybe some things to talk to your agnostic or atheist friend. The fact that there's no God, there's no moral standard, there can be no justice. Adolf Hitler got away with it. It, it, it takes more faith to believe that this, all of this that we see and the marvelous things that we see in this creation just happened by a big cosmic bang. You can talk to those atheists about that, and maybe they'll consider that, but many times it'll be an emotional and spiritual issue because they want to be Lord of their own life, just like you did and just like I did before we bent our knee to Jesus. but as I close belief in God is really not the issue because the devils believe in God the issue for all of us is do we believe in who he sent you can go to hell and believe in God a generic God a generic deity The issue for you and the issue for me is do we believe in the one that he sent? Because the name of Jesus is where the rubber meets the road. You can go in your break room at work and people talk about God all the time. But does the name Jesus come off their lips? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. Because it's in that name. That's the name that's above all names. And that's the name that every knee will bow and every tongue will... God the Father has determined that and said, Here is my son. What will you do with him? See, this Christian faith is lock, stock, and barrel about the person of Jesus Christ. And do you have enough faith to exercise that the Father God sent him to die for you on a cross? And then allow that faith to revolutionize and change your life. That you cannot separate Jesus and just the Savior. He comes together in one package. He's Savior and Lord. Which means, I, he, yeah, it's great that he's Savior. He keeps me out of hell. But I don't want to have, have anything to do with him as Lord. Because that means he tells me how to live. You can't separate him. He's Savior and Lord. And practical atheists struggle with that. So there's one big reason that we come to the altar every single morning as I Nazarene is to remind you that this faith is lock, stock, and barrel centered in the death of Jesus Christ. It's not centered in some generic belief in a God because the devils believe in God. Your eternal destination depends on what you've done with Jesus. Have you bowed the knee to Jesus and claimed him as Savior and Lord of your life? So I ask you who may be practical atheists because the biggest fools in the world are not the ones who don't believe in God. It's the ones who believe in him but don't live like him. They're a stubborn animal in the Hebrew translation. Our servers are coming to the table. Father, we come to church for moments like this where we sense your spirit and we hear things that we don't hear out in the world. We hear things that we don't hear on TV and the radio. And we come to the reality of the eternal things of life. And so Father, I pray now in Jesus' name for this message that some will take as maybe some information that they can share with an unbelieving daughter, or unbelieving son, or unbelieving nephew, or granddaughter, or grandson, or neighbor, or coworker. But let's not, not let it just end there may we look at our lives and make sure we're not like the devils who believe. And the scripture says they tremble because of the awesomeness of you. Help us as we come to the table. Help us that this is not something that's just wrote to us that we do every Sunday. May it be alive, and may it be fresh, And may we never set aside the grace of God that was won for us at the cross of Jesus because we know that if righteousness could be obtained through the law, then why in the world did Jesus have to die? Help us as we come to the table. May we internalize these truths in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.